What's up everybody? It is Green Bay today here and welcome to episode 4 of the Green Bay Today podcast. I know it's a little bit late after the draft. Um, I kind of wanted everything to settle down a little bit because I know obviously uh, a lot of people were very emotional and passionate about this draft, which I understand, but uh, you know, it it is what it is. So at this point... Um, so what we're going to be talking about today is only the day one and two picks. Um, I'll save the rest of the picks for another episode. And man, before before I even you know dive into the picks they made specifically, I would just like to say, every year you know people want to make these draft grades and draft rankings and all that stuff. None of that matters. Which I don't think I've seen a draft you know a draft grade. You know, like I literally just said, they're so irrelevant, but I don't think I've seen one where the Packers, like, didn't have the worst draft, which, you know, I get it. I understand they didn't take a lot of guys that a lot of people, you know, thought they might have or would have, whatever. I, cool. I get that. Um, but you got to take into consideration, you can say absolutely nothing, um, about any of these picks, whether they were taken around one or round seven before, you know, they've played at least you know two seasons I mean three is probably the one where you want to make the you know legitimate you know judgment about certain guys and stuff and where they were taken so yeah I I don't understand you know why Green Bay like all of their draft picks I don't think there's one draft pick where anyone was like wow Green Bay actually made a good pick like people are just hating on the Packers draft picks so whatever there we're we're gonna let him hate honestly i don't care about that and you guys shouldn't either but um yeah they they pretty much have nothing else better to do um i know since we're all kind of quarantined due to all this stuff going on um they got they got to have something to stir up and something to talk about and i think they got their wish granted when the packers selected uh jordan love at 26 which uh honestly there was so much more backlash from that selection than I ever thought there would have been. Um, going into the draft, I put on draft day actually I put on my story, um, you know, possibilities. I narrowed it down to six players that I think the Packers are going to take, and I think Jordan Love was one of the players I narrowed it down to. Um, and I imagined, you know, I thought, I mean, hell, if they really liked him, I, you know, it probably was a pretty good chance they would take him only if they really liked him which obviously they did you know and I envisioned there'd be some backlash but Jesus I the amount of it was just like I couldn't even fathom what I was reading like I saw death threats against uh Brian Gutekunst I saw people you know like barbarically ask for him to be fired um Someone asked for his, like, address. People are telling Matt LaFleur to be fired, Mark Murphy to be fired. Um, I saw these people saying Aaron Rodgers is going to ask to be cut. Let's just cut Rodgers. Trade Jordan Love right when the draft's over. Like, I, honestly, I think most, not all, most of Packers' um, fandom after the draft was just, ridiculous I've never seen anything like that um in my short kind of four year span of really really covering the team pretty heavily so but anyway 
with all that nonsense being said, I'm really, really glad that is all over and it's kind of died down for the most part. But anyway, let's jump right into what they did on day one and two. So, um, yeah, they gave up a fourth round pick, sent one to the Miami Dolphins to jump up to pick number 26 from pick number 30 to select Jordan Love. Um, like I said, I had that narrowed down to six potential guys, which, you know, I could see them potentially taking and they did take Jordan Love. Um, I talked about that a little bit on my live streams, and I think that pick surprised most Packer fans. That if not surprised them, kind of made them upset. Um, like I said, I've never really seen any more backlash from one thing, which obviously is so uncontrollable and out of the things that they can control, which I understand fans want to get emotional about it, but whatever. So... They drafted Jordan Love, so obviously with all that backlash, you know, being talked about, there's a lot of stuff to get to know about Jordan Love. Um, first of all, I think 2018 was his best season. Uh, he had seven rush touchdowns. He had a 64 completion completion percentage. He had 3,567 yards passing, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 158.3 pass rating, which, by the way, I think that's a perfect passer rating, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's just the NFL, but uh, I think 158.3 is actually perfect. So, obviously, 2018, you see the talent there. You see the production that you really, really like from a guy like Jordan Love. Um, but then you get into his most recent season, which is 2019. Um, Utah State lost nine of their offensive starters, and their entire, most of their coaching staff was replaced. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, new phases is, for the most part, is probably good, especially when stuff isn't working. But, you know, I'm not saying that's an excuse for Jordan Lowe's down year, which I'll get to in 2019. But uh, I think it was definitely somewhat of a factor to, you know, to know to say the least. So in 2019, he actually regressed um, a pretty decent amount. He had no rush touchdowns. So in the previous year, he had seven. So that that absolutely plummeted. Um, he had a 61.9 completion percentage, which was down 2.1% from the previous year. He had 3,402 yards, which was down 165 yards. So that right there is not really that big of a deal with those first two. And then the 20 touchdowns, down 12. That's a, that's kind of significant. And then um, what is the most significant out of all of this is his um, amount of interceptions he threw went up 11, um, you know, from to from 6 to 17. You know, you know, like I said before this, um, I think his, you know, kind of team, well, not necessarily team, but his side of the football. So losing nine offensive starters and a lot of your offensive coaching staff are a big part of it. That's absolutely going to take a toll. I don't care who you are, what college you go to, you know, none of that stuff. It, you know, like I said, it's not an excuse as to why he had a, you know, a regressed year, but it is definitely a humongous factor, in my opinion, why um, I think he didn't have as good of a year as he did in 2018. But uh, anyway, whatever. Um, so one thing that I really, really love about Jordan Love, and I think the Packers obviously do too, is straight up his athleticism. Um, your guys like Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of the most like respected draft people in all of sports media, um, he said Jordan Love has the like best arm talent out of any of the quarterbacks so over Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa. Um and I honestly would agree with that. Um I know a lot of people would probably disagree with that, but whatever. That's their opinion. That's fine. 
Um, I think the thing that stands out the most when you watch Jordan Love play, um, if you just go on YouTube and, you know, if you just want to catch a quick glimpse of the stuff that, you know, you see or can see, um, you know, maybe look up some quick highlights or something. But one thing that really, really stands out to me is uh, his ability to just throw the ball so effortlessly. He has all the arm talent in the world, obviously, like um, I think, and Daniel Jeremiah thinks probably is the best arm in the uh, 2020 NFL draft class. Um, I think, you know, his his throw power um, and his ability to just put the ball where a lot of quarterbacks couldn't in some certain uh, situations, I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And I can't, I mean, I really can't like fault the Packers for being attracted to a guy with that much arm talent. I think we haven't seen a guy with this high of, you know, arm talent slash ceiling as Patrick Mahomes. Now listen, before you think I'm crazy, I'm not saying Jordan Love's going to be Patrick Mahomes or whatever. But in a way, you got to think, you know, a guy coming out of a college, which isn't really huge, Texas Tech, Utah State. Well, sure, I think Texas Tech is obviously a little bigger than Utah State, um, probably a little more known. But you got to think. A guy with an extremely high ceiling, like boom or bust prospect. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes was that. Um, now, going to Jordan Love, um, I think he is kind of similar in that stature as for being a boom or bust prospect. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of what he did mentally in his second year, the year he regressed. I think if he can just improve on some of the mental mistakes, um, you know, he made with the bad decisions and all that stuff. I really, really do think he can be a top quarterback in the NFL. Whenever that is, um, whenever he gets onto the field, which, by the way, him getting onto the field and playing in front of Aaron Rodgers is a whole nother discussion um, that we can have sometime on another episode or uh, podcast, whenever that is. I actually posted the contract details on my story for those who saw that. Obviously, it's not there anymore, but if you want to check that out, um, you can kind of take a guess. Jordan Love, my just my prediction, really, really way too early. Um, I think Jordan Love has a chance to play in two years, a chance. Um, and I think in three years, so after three seasons, so after the uh, 2022 season, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. But like I said, like I said, um, that is a whole completely different discussion that, you know, I could have with you guys listening to this or people that I talk to about the Packers or whatever. But anyway, so the Packers selected uh, Jordan Love at 26. Um, I think that was probably the biggest headline of the night for, you know, sports and draft analysis and uh, people all around the world, honestly, watching the NFL draft. I think that was probably the biggest kind of shocker there was. So moving along um, next in, uh, day two. So I know a lot of people were still, you know, really, really hoping for a, you know, wide receiver number two, which understandably, I think there absolutely was really good talent still available at 62. They took AJ Dillon running back out of Boston College. Um, I had AJ Dillon compared to Mike Tolbert going into the draft. I, I still to this day think that's a pretty fair comparison. Um, maybe a little bit ahead of Mike Tolbert. I think the thing he's better at than him, which obviously they're not the same person, clearly. Um, one thing that really stood out, and you know kind of what Mike Tolbert doesn't have, was the freakish numbers A.J. Dillon put up at the Combine. Um, he is six foot, 247. That's what he was at the Combine. 
Uh, he ran a four five forty yard dash. So a guy that's you know two hundred fifty pounds, you don't really see that a lot. Um, and then I know he had a really really insane vertical. I forgot what his vertical was, but it was like abnormal pretty much um, as to what his vertical jump was. So you know, like we know, the Packers are really really attracted to these guys with just extreme athleticism. Um, and the har the high RAS score, um, the relative athletic score, something like that. Um, and I know AJ Dillon had a really really high one, so whatever. Um, but anyway, at his uh, his tenure during uh, Boston College, his uh, three year span, he had 845 carries. Now, you know, running backs, obviously, we all know that's a pretty serviceable position, um, and I think drafting a guy with that high of a draft pick, you probably would like to see a little bit less, you know, wear and tear, less mileage on a guy. Uh, if you say, cause you know, 845 carries in three seasons is a ton of carries. Um, I think Boston college, absolutely. Their offense relied on AJ Dillon as they should have. He's a really good player. Um, but that's, that's the only thing that I was kind of concerned about after they took AJ Dillon. But you know him at Boston College. He shined. He showed no signs of you know not being able to stay durable or healthy. Um, he like I his all his all his seasons at Boston College were really really productive. And his last season in 2019, the most recent one, was the best one. Um, on 318 attempts, that is a lot. Um, he had 1,685 rush yards, 5.3 yards per carry, which is really really good. And then he had 14 touchdowns. So I think um, that is going to be something that Matt LaFleur, just a three-headed monster in the backfield, is you know going to really, really mess with a lot of defenses um, and always keep them on their toes. And speaking of keeping defenses on their toes, his skill set from what the Packers already you know offered, their backfield offered, differs so much from what they already have. Like, Aaron Jones is obviously the quick, speedy guy. Jamal Williams is kind of that guy, like, in between speed and being a thumper. And I forgot to mention this right when I brought up A.J. Dillon. What I posted on my story right away when we took A.J. Dillon, all, all I put, A.J. Dillon equals tank. Um, I know he had um, a lot, a lot, a lot of missed tackles on uh, defenders for his three seasons at Boston College. So, um, pretty much, you know what I said. His skill set. Um, I think his strength is something that I just think is completely different from what the Packers already have. And not to say that their running backs don't have strength, but um, which they obviously do. You know, Jamal Williams is a thumper himself, and Aaron Jones isn't afraid to get dirty. But uh, I'll tell you what. A.J. Dillon is just a nasty, nasty running back. Uh, so I really, really think his role, you know, kind of he'll he'll be a part of the kind of misconceptual, you know, uh, style of offense that Matt Lafleur likes to run. You know, with those fake or not, you know, maybe not fake, maybe actual like jet sweeps or motions stuff like that. Um, I I can't say that he'll be doing those stuff. I think they'll probably leave that up to guys like Tyler Irvin and. Uh, MVS, you know, other guys like that, but I, you know, similar to a uh, Josiah DeGuara, which I'm about to get to, um, he's, he's a guy that's always going to keep the defense on their toes. And I think one thing Matt LaFleur mentioned, um, during his press conference after the Packers took him, 
Um, he they're gonna try to get him involved in the pass game. He didn't have two greatest stats um, as for receiving at Boston College, but obviously that doesn't really reflect to what he can do. So I, like I said, I think Matt Lafleur's pumped for him. Um, I think all a lot of us Packer fans are really really excited for him. Which not to mention, um, I have pretty much exhausted the opinion that Jamal Williams, like this is his last season at Green Bay. So I think this kind of gives them a fallback plan to having to re-sign him or sign another running back, um, you know, let's say in free agency next year or um, maybe even Aaron Jones goes, which I we would all obviously hate to happen. I honestly do think in the end Aaron Jones will be back with the Packers. Um, I find kind of hard to, hard to believe that they let a guy like that kind of get away from them, but who knows? So I think he'll be back. So AJ Dillon's here to be a pretty, pretty, uh, solid contributor to, uh, the offense for at least four years, which that gets, that gets me really, really excited. And one thing I cannot wait for, I cannot wait it until it's like mid December it's third and one, you know, the ball's at midfield close game, you know, in the third quarter, um, AJ Dillon gets the handoff one-on-one with Eric Kendricks lined up right through the a gap and boom, AJ Dillon just bulldozes Eric Kendricks. I cannot wait, wait for that to happen. So I think he'll be a really, really solid contributor to the offense. So lastly, the other day to pick the green Bay Packers made was Josiah DeGuara. Now I'll tell you what, he was a guy that wasn't projected to go to, um, you know, not go to, but get drafted until day three, which that goes back to the thing I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Projections, rankings, grades, you can't put any of this stuff on the guys until, you know, you see them play for two or three years, and then you can start talking about them, um, at least with some kind of a little, jeez, I can't say it. Um, we'll just go, you guys know what I meant. Um, kind of validness. I know that's not the word I was looking for, but I can't say the other one. So you know what I meant. But anyway, um, like I said, I think the Josiah DeGuara pick, in my opinion, I think that was the most surprising pick out of the first three they made. I know, call me crazy, taking a backup quarterback and um, a third string running back wasn't as surprising as a tight end right here. But I, in my opinion, I think Josiah DeGuara was the most surprising pick they made in their first three selections. Um, 2019, he had 39 receptions, 504 yards, and seven touchdowns, which, by the way, he was the very first tight end that attended Cincinnati um, that had 500-plus receiving yards in a season. Um, He was the first guy to do that since Brent Selleck. Um, And another guy that went to Cincinnati, which you guys probably already know this by now, but anyway, another guy that went to Cincinnati... Um, that had a really, you know, he's kind of had a decent year, not year, he's had a decent career, you know, not, he's not awesome, you know, he's not really good, maybe you guys know him, his name's Travis Kelsey, um, I was totally kidding, Travis Kelsey's a beast, um, so who knows, is tight end kind of the, you know, or not tight end, is Cincinnati kind of the tight end school, no, just joking again, but anyway, um, speaking of Josiah DeGuara, I think right when he was drafted and you got to hear Matt LaFleur talk about the way he's going to be using his offense, which we'll get to that. Um, I think the way that Matt LaFleur was kind of raving about Josiah DeGuara was pretty similar to the way he was really, really enthusiastic about uh, 
them selecting Elton Jenkins last year in the second round. Um, a lot of people envision Danny Vitale this year to have a huge role in the offense. Um, obviously, he had his knee injury or his ankle injury. I think it was his knee. Um, later in the year, they kind of set him back and kind of let Jay Sternberger take over the role, which um, also getting to that, pretty much the I envision him playing pretty much H-back um, in line and in the slot for the Packers this year. I think um, one thing that LaFleur pointed to, you know, when he was asked about DeGuara and where he sees him, you know, envisioning his offense, um, he kind of compared him to the way that the 49ers use uh, their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. Obviously, he is a utility knife, as you might describe him. Um, like I just said, you can put him at H-back, you can put him in line, you know, if you want him to block. And then you can put him in the slot. He's got the receiving skills too. Um, and also one thing that was really, really talked about um, that they expressed a lot was just his his effort pretty much um, and his heart that he had when he played at Cincinnati U. You can't teach effort. You can't teach, you can't teach heart. You can't teach the, you know, the will to want to play um, and get better at stuff on that, you know, effort specifically. There was one play LaFleur talked about um, the – Cincinnati's quarterback was intercepted and Josiah DeGuara sprinted. He said he showed this to his team um, during like midseason during uh, one of their meetings, like just the the effort that he made. Um, so anyway, it was an interception. Obviously, this is going to be pretty hard to visualize for you guys, but there was an interception. Um, the corner took it right down the sideline and Josiah DeGuara was already on the opposite side of the field. And he hauled his you-know-what all the way down to catch up to the cornerback and make a touchdown-saving tackle. Um, I obviously don't know how the uh, the drive finished for the opposing team, but it at least saved a touchdown um, up until that point. So like I said, teaching effort, you know, the kind of heart, uh, will to want to play, um, you you actually cannot teach that. That has to come from the athlete slash player um, within, which and that's for whatever sport you play. But I'm just saying, um, Josiah DeGuara has that. So I think he's another guy um, similar to AJ Dillon. He's just going to keep a defense on their toes, um, and especially especially with his versatility. Um, you know, like I just said, the three spots that I think he'll be lined up at the most is going to absolutely mess with defensive coordinators when they're preparing for their game and you know maybe they're just going to let him go out into the flat and then boom Rodgers hits him and he makes a guy miss and he turns up the field for who knows however many yards or whatever kind of moves he make to move he makes to get past the defender I'm just saying like I think he's a guy that's you know not going to be as worried about but I think in game I think some teams will have to make an adjustment to him um Going into what he can do, I think this year, I said this when I was uh, live after day two of the draft, my envision for him, I know LaFleur obviously said he wants to see him kind of what Kyle Juszczyk did. Um, my envision is exactly what Jay Sternberger did at the uh, towards the end of last season, you know, into the late regular season and during the playoffs, um, lining up um, in line, H-back, and in the slot. Um, I think that's what they're going to want DeGuar to do. Um, and obviously, you know, Mercedes Lewis, he's getting up there in age. He's not the most athletic um, tight end, kind of receiving tight end anymore. So if, you know, you got Jake Sternberger as tight end number one, guys, Josiah DeGuara is not a bad number two at all. Um, 
I'm really, really pumped to see what he can uh, bring to the Packers this year. As for that. So, anyway, that is going to wrap it up for the first um, selections the Packers made. The first three selections, all which were offensive players, which is something that uh, differs to what the Packers have usually done. Which, anyway, I was surprised that they honestly didn't roll with a defensive player in the first three picks. But, obviously, that's not the way the board fell, and that's something... Uh, Brian Gutekunst really, really likes to exaggerate um, and kind of say for his reasoning for certain picks, it's just the way the board fell, which obviously you totally understand. Um, these guys were the best players available that the Packers had ranked, so you got to roll with them. Um, one thing adding on to kind of what I said in the beginning of this is, you know, obviously some people aren't happy about the picks. Sure, you got your you got your opinion, you know, cool, that's fine. But guys, most of you are... Okay, all of you are probably Packer fans listening to this podcast right now. These are the guys, like, they're on the team now. So, I don't understand the point in going against them or rooting against them or the hatred towards the selections anymore. The the draft, by the time you're listening to this, is already a week over with. Um, more pro- It's actually more than a week over with. So, it's it's done. They're on the team now. They have my full-fledged, you know, love and support no matter what they do or their role is for the offense, which, by the way, I forgot to mention with DeGuara. He was really, really good on special teams. But anyway, um, that's going to wrap it up for today. I really hope you guys enjoyed me talking about the Packers' first three picks they made in the 2020 NFL Draft, which I did think came to surprise um, that not only to me, but to pretty much everyone, um, I don't think anyone can say they saw this stuff coming. But other than that, um, thanks for tuning in to episode four of the Green Bay Today podcast. Uh, leave it a thumbs up if that's possible. I don't even know if that's possible or not. Um, I think all of this is listed on Spotify, so I don't even know if you can like it. But anyway, shoot me some feedback. Um, you know, if there's some, maybe you got a podcast idea, Green Bay underscore today on Instagram. If you have an idea for a future podcast I can make or wanted to comment on this or talk to me about, you know, the first three picks right here that they made or anything Packers, shoot me a DM on Instagram. But um, that's going to do it. So you guys have a great day, night, whenever you're listening. Um, Please stay safe. And I will be back with the next episode um, very, very soon. I'll go over the day three picks the Packers made um, kind of in a shorter um span that I did this one. But anyways, you guys have a good one and go pack go. Mm-hmm.